Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. In this episode, we're looking at the M&A outlook and challenges for dairy products in China, in part prompted by a slowing birth rate in the country. Joining me are Merger Market's China editor, Ling Yang, and Stephanie Hanna, who is Deal Reporter's deputy editor for Asia-Pacific. Hi, Ling. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Hi, Juliana. Hi, Juliana. Thanks for joining me today. So let's start by looking at the current market for infant milk in China. It's facing a few challenges. Can you give us an overview of that market and outline some of those issues that are specific to the Chinese market? Sure, um, Juliana. So, um, so overall, the China's infant formula market, it's, um, it's shrinking due to China's declining birth rate, as we all know, and the retail sales volume in China's infant milk formula market began to decline in 2019, and it expected to decrease at a CAGR of um, negative 4.1% for the next uh, five years. So that's the um, data from Frost Sullivan. And so the low birth rates and increased domestic competition, as well as the, you know, the ongoing restrictions on cross-border trade activity between Hong Kong and mainland China and COVID. So these are all the reasons for, for you know, the, the South decline of many foreign brands in China. And uh, as we know that a foreign formula brands thrived for uh, several years after the um, tent milk scandal in 2008. Um, however, uh, government, uh, Chinese government has done a lot to improve the overall quality of the industry, including they implemented the restriction requirements, um, you know, uh, uh, in 2019. And that Dramatically, dramatically reduced the uh, number of brands on the market. And, you know, um, that helped to reshape the industry. And also at the same time, investment by domestic players in premium brands and uh, uh, special formulations are helping lots of domestic brands to overcome safety con- uh, concerns. So uh, the local brands market share have uh, market share has increased to about uh, 60% in recent years from uh, only just 30% in 2013. So that's uh, according to your monitor. And um, so basically, uh, that's, you know, that's how the dynamics of the uh, foreign brands uh, operating in China and the challenges that they're facing right now. Um, but having said that, China market is very, is very big, which accounted for about 50% of the global market. And, uh, we, we do see a lot of, um, competition still, uh, ongoing. And also, you know, brands are competing each other in the different segment of, um, the products. I guess I would just add to that that um, you know as as a result of the the latest census figures, um, China changed its uh, you know you may know that China had a one child policy until about 2016 um, when it was in 2016 it was relaxed to a two child limit. 
But as a result of the latest census figures, this was um, changed again to a three-child limit. Um, so in theory, that would be a positive for the infant formula producers here. But there, the widely held view here is also that a policy change alone isn't going to reverse that population trend. Um, you know, for many reasons, people are reluctant to have multiple children in China. The main reason being that it's quite expensive to raise kids, especially in the cities. So if that policy change is followed by other policy changes, such as, you know, reducing the cost of, of you know, education and, and other sort of expenses associated with raising children, um, then that could be like a long-term sort of driver for growth for infant formula manufacturers. Great. Thank you both. So Ling, looking at Reckitt Benkiser's sale of its infant formula and child nutrition subsidiary in China, can you run through the details of that deal, please? Uh, sure. Uh, so uh, Reckitt Benkiser is a British consumer goods company and uh, it disclosed the stra uh, strategic review of the Chinese infant child nutrition unit in its uh, 2020 financial result announcement in February. And earlier this month, uh, so RB announced the, that a Chinese private equity firm Primavera acquired the business for 2.2 billion US dollar. And interestingly, the deal was announced just four days after the government announced the relaxation of three-child policy. And that news sent many, um, many baby product-related stocks share price to surge. And, um, you know, merger market has um, been following the sale closely. And there were many big names, P, P names are in the mix, uh, including Carlisle, Bain, City Capital, um, that's Chinese state-owned private equity firm, and strategic like uh, uh, domestic names like Ely and New Hope and Junlebao. And what we heard is that uh, the private equity firm Primavera came in quite late in the process in April, but it just took them about two months to sign the deal. And uh, the owner was there. They have. Um, they, they, they have quite extensive presence in the sector and some no, notable portfolios, including Yang Brands um, and China-based dairy products, Junlebao, which we reported that is also in the, in the race for, for this um, infant formula business, Meet Johnson brand in Greater China. And uh, apparently this is a big bite for Primavera as they certainly... Mm, have a very strong, you know, strong confidence in growing this brand in China with a more uh, localized strategy to tap the unreached low tier cities. Uh, as we, as, as I think for, uh, for the new child policy that just uh, relaxed earlier this month, um, uh, this will boost uh, birth rates for the lower tier cities, especially for the third tier to fourth tier cities. And that's where all those foreign brands are having difficulty to penetrate that market. So we think that um, with the investment of uh, Primavera, uh, they will probably to help this brand to go deeper uh, to be more localized and um, to to tap really reach that kind of uh, uh, localized market, and we know that Primavera invests in Alibaba, 
uh, aunt group and ByteDance. So the online to offline strategy could be further explored. And there also there is integration um, opportunity between, uh, you know, Junlebao, uh, the existing portfolio of uh, uh, Primavera and Mead Johnson as well. So because Junlebao is more present in lower tier cities and trying to go upscale, yet all the foreign brands like uh, Mead Johnson, uh, they are really looking to penetrate the provincial cities to gain more market share. So I think that's uh, quite an uh, interesting um, uh, investment they made uh, because for for the foreign owner, they really aren't capable of taking that brands really deeper to the local market. And you said that Primavera came in quite late in the process. Did they know or was it widely expected that China's policy on the number of children you could have was going to change? Well, even though the policy is well expected, um, still, I think um, they wouldn't know the exact timing of that announcement. And the deal was, um, and I think the decision to have big investment in the formula uh, business is really uh, come from the top executive from this firm, from Pamela, and they are really uh, had a um, they had a lot of interest in this sector long before, and uh, they kind of examined the sector for a long time. I w- I wouldn't say that it's because of the uh, they knew it's gonna come out this kind of announcement, so they made investment. But I think it's more of a thorough decision for for the industry uh, for a long time at least for a couple of years, I think. Great. Thanks, Ling. And Stephanie, looking at A2 Milk, can we start off by looking at the company and the current challenges it's facing? Because it's had a bit of a fall from grace, hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, so just as background, uh, A2 Milk is a company that was established in New Zealand, but listed in New Zealand and Australia. And it produces uh, various dairy products, including infant formula. And I guess it differentiates itself by um, using this A2 protein from cows. And the company claims that that particular protein is easier to digest than the A1 protein. Um, So they've had a really stellar run up until about a year ago when uh, travel restrictions kicked in. Um, In the last nine to 12 months, they've announced four earnings downgrades. So the travel restrictions have impacted their Daigo sales, which means that their cross-border sales channel, um, and Daigo just refers to people outside of China buying products on behalf of customers who are inside China. That particular sales channel has been disrupted. um, And for the company, about half of its earnings come from China and the broader Asian region. So the company is in a position now where it has an excess supply of stock. Um, and it's trying to rebalance its inventory. So that will involve a write down of about 100 million New, New Zealand dollars worth of stock. Um, and, you know, the company has also acknowledged that the birth rate is slowing in China. So this obviously raises questions about its longer term strategy. And then on top of that, um, the CEO of the Asia Pacific division said he intends to step down. Um, and the company may be the target of a class action suit from shareholders. So there was a media report saying that a law firm is investigating claims by shareholders that the A2 board may have not been completely honest about the extent of its struggles. So as far as I know, no lawsuit has been filed yet. Um, but I imagine that's also on the board's mind. 
Wow, so lots of challenges on, on different fronts. How can you see it getting out of the situation? Do you expect to see asset disposals or, or even potentially a takeover of the whole company? Well, I think the immediate plan is to get that level of inventory right um, and perhaps change its approach to sales and distribution. Um, but, you know, its shares have come off about 70% in the last year or so. Um, and that does make us wonder whether it is vulnerable to a takeover because, I mean, despite its struggles, um, you know, analysts say that the company still has a, a decent brand um, and its its balance sheet is in an okay shape. So, you know, the record Benkaiser sale attracted numerous bidders, um, you know, from the merger market reports, it seemed to be quite competitive. So it's possible that the unsuccessful suitors from that auction may turn their attention to A2 Milk, assuming that they still believe in the fundamentals of the infant formula industry in China. And I guess it was good news to A2, given their exposure to the Chinese market, that the the three-child three child policy is being introduced. Yeah, its shares have, um, since, yeah, its shares have definitely risen on the back of that news. Um, so... It is like a, a boost for the company's valuation in the short term, but whether that policy change will be followed by uh, an increase in the population, um, that remains to be seen. Yeah, I'm guessing it's going to take quite a few years before that becomes obvious. <laughs> and looking at the, the wider infant formula market in China, what other corporate activity are you expecting to see there and who are the other key players? Look, I would say in terms of foreign players, they are slowly leaving the Chinese market. As Ling alluded to earlier, it's just it's a real struggle for foreign players to establish, um, you know, a position here in light of the sort of the preference for local brands now. So you've seen um, Danone sell its stake in a Chinese dairy company recently. Um, a New Zealand player, uh, Fonterra, also got out of the China market. Um, Nestle is is still very much here, um, and they signaled last year that the Chinese infant formula place, uh, sorry, the Chinese infant formula like market is very key to them, um, and they're in a pretty solid position to make acquisitions. I know they have a lot of, you know, segments that they operate in around the world, but they have flagged the Chinese uh, formula sector as as one to watch. So I wouldn't be surprised if if they were to make some kind of move in the next 12, 18 months. Great. And Ling, and who are the domestic players and, and what kind of corporate activity do you expect to see from them? Yeah. So to add uh, Stephanie on that, yeah, Nestle reviewed that the its annual review that sales of uh, the infant formula decline in China as well. And also about disclosed the the infant formula sales in 2020 decreased uh 41% um as well but and they see a lot more growth in southeast asian countries um but see obvious decline from uh china market greater, greater china market so so really the the challenges are real for foreign brands um that used to be very predominant in China market. And um, we see some of uh, the rise of the local brands, brand names, including uh, Ili, Mengniu, Belt Time, uh, Feihe, and also Nutra. 
Especially Feihe and Osnutra are the two brands that are likely to benefit the most from the relaxation of three-child policy because of their strong presence in the lower-tier cities. And we we expect we expect the sales could uh, grow, and we could see that reflecting their share price increase. Um, actually, so I think uh, there's an interesting market to see to watch. Absolutely. Thank you both very much. That was Merger Market China editor Ling Yang and Stephanie Hanna, who is Deal Reporter's deputy editor for Asia Pacific. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.